Trigger warning. The following episode contains references to sexual assault, sexual content, human suffering, death, factual inaccuracies, several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. After that performance, we're going to have to invent a tin medal. I'm Kelly. And for the category of whittling, a silver medal for the silver fox. I'm Adam. Well, of course these discuses aren't going far enough. You didn't make them American-sized. I'm Andy. Shit, I've gotten so good at rolling this thing, but they're throwing them. What do I do now? I'm Sean, and this is Acid Pop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This week, we're going to be talking about the Olympics. I can't remember the theme song. You know what? I want to remember the Superman theme song. The Olympic one is there, and now I just got the Superman one. So uh, I just got Chariots <laughs> of Fire in my head. I've got Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode is brought to you by our patron, Rick. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can look us up on Patreon for access to episodes early and entrance into our private discord so the etymology on this one is pretty simple the original olympics were a sort of celebration of the gods mostly zeus and so they were named for their home which was mount olympia zeus loved strapping young men wrestling together Mm -hmm. turning Mm -hmm. into swans and having sex weirdly (laughs) so we're moving straight into our acid pop quiz beginning is your kind of a mixture of stuff here but when were the first olympic games held to get this out of the way ahead of time greece is not a time period <laughs> uh that's my line f- three 300 bce okay we did a boxing question the other day where i was like it was the 20th olympics and in like 200 something i'm gonna say 400 bce i'll say 100 BCE. Well, you guys were in the ballpark, but didn't go back quite far enough. It was 776 BCE. I win. Yeah, I never know how to count that one because technically you all went over because <laughs> seven is. I'm older the closest than... without going under. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or true or false? The Olympic Games have happened every four years since then. False. I'm gonna say that's a long time for something to not go wrong at some point. I mean, didn't they get canceled this year? Did they? Agreed. I think we stopped for like hundreds and hundreds of years and then picked it up again. Yeah, I feel like maybe it was forgotten about for a long time. Mm. Well, you guys are correct. This is false. But when did they stop and when did they start back up again? So this wasn't like they didn't miss the odd one. They indeed did stop for a long time. But how long? Uh, I'm going to say they they stopped in like the early first mill. I'm going to say like 400 CE and started up again in the 1800s. They stopped exactly at zero. Oh. Jesus was born and they were like, none of this. They gave him all the gold medals. Handsome nude men. (laughs) We have to move on. He won the 100 meter swim by just running across the water. That's not fair. (laughs) Jesus is here now. He says no more nude men ever. (laughs) How am I supposed to bathe? (laughs) Yeah, they picked back up in 1852. 
I really think it's the 1800s. I mean, maybe. I think so. I think it's 1852. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say they started back up. I, I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> 1900s. They stopped on Leonardo da Vinci's birthday. I don't know when that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam might be right. <laughs> so Emperor Theodosius stopped them in 393 CE. So you were remarkably close, Andy. Yeah. Because, yeah, he had converted to Christianity, and he didn't like a tribute to that chump Zeus. See, Jesus said. Yep. So Kelly got the reason right. (laughs) Adam, you were remarkably close when they started back up again. It was 1896. Wow. So you guys were all right in there. Good job. So we'll talk about that first one a little later. So we're on to our fill in the blank. What do you have to do to get into the Olympics? Train like a motherfucker. I think you have to do some sort of scandal. (laughs) You have to... Pick a really obscure sport where mm. there's not many entrants. I know this is a thing some people do. <laughs> Baby chucking. <laughs> like long distance walking or something is a sport. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say you have to train and then, God, it's it's a lot of training. And then your trainer says, you're ready. Yep, It was in you the whole time. I assume there's some sort of tryouts that you have to beat. Oh, no, look, we're curling. Look, everybody get gold medals for curling. This is a sport now, guys. I do want to curl, though. (laughs) Well, honestly, not that much. Your country has to be invited to the Olympics, and then you have to ask your government if you can go. If they say okay, you're in. President said I could. (laughs) There's a few other things, like you can't do drugs, and you have to meet any requirements for the event you want to enter, (sighs) and there has to be enough room for you. You're keeping me down. (laughs) <laughs> but that's about it, really. That's there, why you pick the obscure sports. Yeah. yeah. There's no age restrictions, tests, or anything else, really. Well, then how did they convince the Jamaican government to let them have a bobsled team? They just <laughs> asked. <laughs> they said, please. How young was the youngest Olympic athlete? I'm going to go for 11. Yeah, hmm. the gymnasts are little. Eight years old. Hmm. Uh, 13. I also feel like the gymnasts are little because they, like, deprive them of things. <laughs> well, they're both little in stature and little in age. Yeah. So it was a gymnast from Greece named Dimitrios Londres, and he was 10 years old. I was so close, damn it. Yeah. So uh, we've got a picture here of him with his teammates that I'm going to show you. All strapping Greek men with mustaches, including Dimitrios. So which one is uh, he? Oh my God, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a little kid with two... Adonises <laughs> that look like either one could rip this boy in half. He comes just about up to their waists. Yeah. So he was actually in the first modern Olympics in 1896. Uh, there have been a handful of kids as young as 11, but he's still the youngest and he won a bronze. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Good job, champ. <laughs> so while we're on the subject of age, how about the oldest? Ooh, I'm, I want to say like, 85, and they did, like, cross-country skiing. Yeah, I was going to say 80. I'm going to go, I guess I got to go older. Uh, 90, they did dressage. (laughs) It's horse dancing. (laughs) So John Copley from Great Britain was the oldest person to compete in the Olympics. He was in the 1948 Olympics and was 73 at the time. (sighs) And he got a silver medal. In what? But... Well, most people don't count him because his medal was for engraving in the arts competition. What? Yep. There's an arts competition? There was. Since when? 
Yeah, well, they don't do them anymore, which is why most people don't count it. I say. <laughs> but next after him was Oscar Schwann from Sweden, and he was in the 1920 Olympics at age 72, and he also got a silver, though his was in shooting, a much okay. more athletic sport. Bring I, back the arts competition. Yeah, what, what the heck? I really like the arts competition. Long distance Picasso. <laughs> Someone drawing happy little trees. Black velvet we'll painting. So how many medals has the Olympic athlete with the most medals won? Isn't it the swimmer that did pot? What's his name? <laughs> That's Michael Phelps. Phelps. 20, I think he has like 22 medals. Yeah. Michael Phelps, 22 medals. 25. Yeah. Was this all medals or gold medals? Just all medals. Um, <laughs> yeah, bronze Billy over here. <laughs> still 15. Oh, okay. Well, Andy was right. It was our boy, Michael Phelps and Michael Phelps has 28 medals. Oh, that was so close. Does he wear them all at once? <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Then drag two. him right to the bottom of the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Not that boy. <laughs> so number two is Larissa Latanya with 18. So he's number one with a bullet. See, That's impressive. I, mm-hmm. I really like when Mike, the whole thing came out about Michael Phelps and he had the bong and they're like, look, he does marijuana. It's like, yeah, but he could swim like a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly it doesn't slow him down much. <laughs> Probably need to unwind when you're Michael Phelps. <laughs> I don't know. He seems like a pretty chill guy. He does. It's true. So we're onto our terms. I'm going to name some sports that some of these are still in the Olympics, but some of them are not, but you're going to tell me what they are. So what is the biathlon? Well, it's two sports. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the shooting and skiing one, I think. <laughs> shooting and skiing. Uh, the biathlon is it's a it's a hundred meter dash followed by long jump. I think that's just the long jump. <laughs> it's the high jump followed by curling, <laughs> and you actually have to jump onto the ice. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, Adam nailed it. It is part one: ski a set distance, and there's different ones depending on which biathlon you're doing. And step two is unsling your rifle and shoot a target. Shoot it. Do you stop skiing? Uh, yeah. You get to where you're going, and there's a target there, and then you shoot it. That's <laughs> kind of fun. unload your gun while going full speed downhill. <laughs> it's called being Alaskan. It's called being bitchin'. <laughs> yeah! Let's see the Yeti get me now! <laughs> Ski free my ass! It's called being part of the Swiss Army. <laughs> so whoever skis there fastest and shoots the target wins and uh, yes you carry your rifle with you as you ski safety on please (laughs) that just slows you down (laughs) (laughs) that's a half a second you have to undo the safety so what's the skeleton oh it's skeleton is the luge but backwards (laughs) no that's right no andy sounds really confident he does Sure, it's the luge, but backwards. The skeleton is the top competitor of gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yep, Andy got it. So the luge, you go down a chute of ice, feet first. Skeleton is face first. Oh, God. Yep. <laughs> named for <laughs> what mostly comes out on the other side. It's named for all the pieces at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. So what is club swinging? This seems self-evident. It's the very first Olympic sport when they had uh-huh. to like bash dinosaurs over the head. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, club swinging is when you and your wife are on a team and you go out to a club <laughs> and attempt to pick up as many people to have sex with you as you can. Gold medals. It's actually the dick measuring contest. <laughs> Gold. 
coming out with a helicopter. (laughs) And he nails it. You basically take a bowling pin and swing it around you in a dance routine. Pardon? (laughs) Yep. Fanciest dance wins. What? Yep. It's sort of like the, you know, like the ribbon dance, but instead of a ribbon, you've got a bowling pin. It's just a big bowling pin. Is this like, did like jugglers come from this or something? Yeah, must be. Do you get to cover it in sequence? I don't know. I don't think they do this one anymore, and I think it was before the age of sequence. I think we could probably do without that one. I think that's a good call to drop that. That concludes our acid pop quiz. We're on to our story. Why the hell did I know? I'm trying to know why I know skeleton, but (laughs) I'm impressed that you both knew uh, what these some of these sports were. Well, they still do biathlon, I think. Yeah, and they still do skeleton. I assume I know it because it's some sort of video game. Yeah. I thought it was because you were a professional skeleton. Skeletonizer. I'm a professional skeleton. That's his villain name, the Skeletonizer. They call me Bony Baloney. Yeah, that's the guy that does all the work for Guillermo del Toro these days. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about the ancient Olympics because I couldn't find a lot of info about them, at least not the type of info I like for the podcast, but it's just a bunch of naked guys wrestling, pretty much. Nice. I wanted to start with the first modern Olympics and that were in 1896. So... Truth be told, there were several Olympics in the decades leading to this one, but they were decidedly small scale. They said they were international and any country could join, but invites were basically spread by word of mouth, so typically only a handful of countries came, mostly the neighbors of the host country. But then came a French baron named Pierre de Coubertin. Now, he was a man who had a dream of reviving the Olympics on a truly global scale. We will all be oiled and muscular. (laughs) (laughs) So he was a man who believed in three things. The endless potential of the human physique, the drive to win fair competition of man versus man, and that women were useless and should stay in the kitchen. (laughs) Oh, no. Oops. Unless they are very muscular. (laughs) (laughs) So sexist was he that the thought of women entering never even crossed his mind. The very thought of it makes my mustache laugh. (laughs) Well, when someone asked if women could come, he said that their inclusion would be impractical, uninteresting, unesthetic, and incorrect. What are we going to do? Watch them bake? (laughs) Who'd want to look at a bunch of broads? Birthing competition? (laughs) In the end, one woman snuck in, but she was disqualified later. So like most first-time conventions, the first modern Olympics were a bit of a debacle. Cooper team formed the first Olympic committee made up of 79 delegates from nine countries, and they did their best, but in the end, only 13 countries showed up. Oh. Some countries were represented by tourists who <laughs> just happened to be in the area in the, at the time and signed up. No, I'm just <laughs> passing through to use the bathroom. <laughs> you look like a likely British lad. It was held in Athens, and while the spirit was there, it was not a grand affair. I mean, they let 10-year-olds in. Yeah. Participating athletes had to pay for their own travel and accommodations. They didn't have the budget for a pool, so they hollowed out some pumpkins, went out into the ocean until they were competitive swimming distances away from the shore, and anchored said pumpkins. When you reach the pumpkins, you must fuck them. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Because this is for us. They would actually take the swimmers out there and dump them in the water, and then the first one to get back to shore wins. Whoever doesn't get eaten wins gold. 
So at the time, the air temperature was 64 degrees Fahrenheit or about 12 degrees Celsius. And the water was about 53 or 12 degrees Celsius. So the swimmers were motivated more by a need to get out of the water than to beat their competitors. (laughs) See if you can swim away from your hypothermia. They've never swum as fast since. (laughs) This pleases me because when they get out and I give them the medals, they have the shrinkage. (laughs) There were 43 events, mostly traditional stuff, but there were some oddballs like jumping on a trampoline and dueling. Oh, dueling? <laughs> yeah, they, they shot at dummies instead of at each other. Oh, but, I was going to yeah. say, uh, you can only award one medal at the end. <laughs> Ooh, uh, Olympic moseying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's good. Coubertin was a little disappointed in the attendance of his first Olympics, so the next one, he really widened the net to include things like kite flying, painting, and town planning. Not women. Town planning? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Architecture was in there, too. That town planning is going to take a while to judge. (laughs) It was sort of like a crowdsourcing for new towns. Like, we're about to build a town. Whoever designs our town the best wins, and then we'll build it that way. <laughs> they didn't just do each design a town and come back 10 years later to yeah. see who, who had the best uh, quality <laughs> of life. <laughs> but one way or another, Coubertine's idea stuck, and we've been doing it ever since. Good for you, Coubertine. Until now. Just imagine if there was like an Olympic event for like writing a book. You have to do it like <laughs> on stage. Yeah. Ooh, she's taking up the fountain pen. That's a bold choice. Oh, it's interesting use of a semicolon. <laughs> Oxford comma is weird. So I think I've got some uh, kind of fun stories here, but I think we'll wind down with those. So let's get to the darker stuff. Oh, good. So how many people do you, how many athletes, let's say, do you think have died at the Olympics? One score. I don't know how much that is. <sighs> I think that's 20. At the Olympics? Yeah. Uh, 200. Um, probably not many anymore. Oh, well, this is since 1896. Yeah, but back in the day, they were, you know, eating radium. Bare knuckle boxing. Yeah. Dueling. I'm going to say 100. Well, surprisingly for an event involving hundreds of people that's been going on for more than a century, not much. Hmm. Ten people have died while competing or practicing, mostly from things that wouldn't surprise you, like heart attacks or dehydration. Skeletoning. And another 14 died during the Olympics to other things, like car crashes and the like. But there was one crazy episode from the 1972 Olympics in Munich that I wanted to talk about. So this was the first Olympics in Germany since the Hitler run won in 1936. The Hitler Olympics. Yeah, and they were really trying to play down the whole military angle. As a result, security was a little lax around the Olympic Village. (laughs) Oh, no, we don't even have guns here. Yeah, basically. There's a whole movie about this, right? I think so, yeah. So eight members of a Palestinian terrorist group called Black September took advantage of this to sneak into the village, and they tried to kidnap 11 athletes from Israel. They got in and were opening a door when a wrestling referee spotted them <laughs> and threw his 300 pounds or 135 kilograms at the door while shouting for others to escape. Damn. Wow. Yeah. He was gunned down. One person broke out a window and made a break for it, but Mosh Weinberg decided to face the foe and threw himself at the terrorists. They shot him through the freaking face without killing him and demanded that he tell them where the other athletes were sleeping. Your mom's house. 
(laughs) (laughs) So he lied and told them that they were in an apartment that actually housed six wrestlers and weightlifters. (laughs) He didn't like any of them. So he was probably hoping that the burly men could take the terrorists out. But they rounded up the big men in their sleep and then they headed for the actual apartment. So Weinberg tried again, knocking out one of the terrorists, getting a hold of his knife and slashing another before getting gunned down. Yeah. Hardcore. So two people were killed on site and then another nine were taken hostage. The group demanded the release of 234 Palestinian prisoners in Israel. During negotiations, the Germans tried everything they could to trick the terrorists. While stalling for time, they tried to sneak into the vents. They were spotted and run off. They demanded some helicopters to take them to an airport, then be flown out by jet. The terrorists would need to go through a tunnel to get to the helicopters, so the police set up snipers at the exits to the tunnel. The terrorists spotted them and demanded a bus. The snipers were stationed at the airport. When the two helicopters arrive, a group of terrorists went to check on the jet, only to find that it was empty. So it was another trick, which would be fine, except they needed a pilot. So they tried to run back to the helicopters, but were shot by the snipers. The terrorists on the other helicopters with the hostages turned, shot all the hostages at point-blank range, then for good measure, tossed in a grenade before making a break for it. In the end, all the hostages died and all but three of the terrorists died. Those three were arrested, but they were traded a month later in a hostage exchange. Germans, not very sneaky. No, apparently not. (laughs) Andy, how did you know about this, you ask? Well, I've been watching Robot Chicken. And they did a a Laugh Olympics thing. (laughs) So then there was an Olympics in Mexico City, Mexico in 1968. And just before it started, a bunch of protesters had gathered to show how unhappy they were with the extravagant Olympics while many parts of the country were being oppressed. Yeah. A couple of weeks before the event, several thousand students and protesters gathered outside the Olympic Village for an occupation. Not wanting to look bad in front of the world, the government had the army and police surround the plaza and open fire on the protesters. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That'll make you look better. Uh Uh-huh. So no one knows how many died, but it's thought to be several hundred. Why? Yep. I mean, I I guess you told me why, but why? (laughs) It was a pretty oppressive government at the time, and they were basically just looking for an excuse to... I mean, this protest wasn't about the government, really. It was about the Olympics, but they sort of like, well, we set up the Olympics, so you must be mad at us, so we're going to shoot you. Sadness. Yeah. So next, we're going to talk about a bit of a troubled area with the Olympics, which is the, the whole thing about gender. So for a long time, it's been thought that gender is a binary, but these days we know that it can be much murkier than that. Not only are there chimeras, hermaphrodites, and a slew of other genetic conditions that make it hard, there's also cultural and personal preferences that only complicate things more. God, don't ask J.K. Rowling, though. Yeah. So I personally don't really know what to do about this, but I do know that how the Olympics handles it is pretty screwed up. If they want, they can run a genetic test on any athlete they have suspicions of. And the tests that they use are not super reliable. But if they come back positive, athletes can be banned from the Olympics, both future and past. How do you banish me from past Olympics? You take away your medals. Yeah. 
What do they do? Do they go and uh, flip up all the athletes' skirts? <laughs> well, for a while, that was the technique. Yeah. <laughs> so just such a thing happened to Ewa Klobukowska of Poland. She was a runner who competed in the 1964 Olympics. She got a bronze in the 100 meter, and her relay team got a gold in the 4 by 100 meter. And they set a world record in the process. So they beat the Americans who were favored to win. And the Soviet Union really didn't care for them, them being Poland at all. So a lot of shade was thrown at the Polish women's team. They were called mannish and freaks of nature. Hey. A few years later, the Olympics started gender testing and Ewa was one of the first to be tested. It turned out that she had more chromosomes than normal, a mix of XX and XXY. Though her X's outnumbered her Y's by four to one, she was labeled a man. Her record was struck, her medals rescinded, and Yua slunk away from professional sports in shame. That's, that's fucking rude. Yeah. Then, a couple of years later, she gave birth to a son. To- so, First man to give birth. <laughs> despite proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that she had the goods to be female, the Olympic Committee never reversed their decision. Though it's not too late, Yua is still alive today if the Olympics want to change their mind and do the right thing before the person dies and they pull one of those bullshit, we want to apologize <laughs> to someone who's been dead for 10 years. Yeah. Hey, Olympic Committee that's listening to this right now, I know mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. Please reverse this decision. That's... Yeah. So next year, Pinky Pramanik is a female athlete from India and she's had a rough go of it. For reasons that I could not uncover, a lot of people seem to want her to fail. During a competition in 2004, a gun was planted in her room. She was huh? barred from competing, though she was eventually cleared of any allegations with the gun. Well, but what if she was doing the biathlon? <laughs> yeah. So even without this competition, she was tearing it up, winning medals for running all over Asia. She had her sights on the Olympics, but then in 2012, a woman who lived with her accused her of raping her, like with a penis. So that's a hard thing for a woman to do. Pinky was arrested and put in a male prison for 26 days, during which she was apparently tied up, drugged, and had blood drawn to perform gender tests. Good God. Yeah. There were lots of tests, but the results were muddy at best. It was eventually concluded that she was some form of hermaphrodite. Her trainers had told her that all the best female athletes got testosterone injections. So she had been receiving them for years. This made her look more mannish and enlarged a sort of pseudo penis that she had, though it was conclusively proven that she could not get an erection with the little thing that she had. The woman who was living with Pinky had an abusive husband and had moved in with her to try and get away. Apparently, while living there, she took a picture of Pinky naked, a shot that showed her pseudo-penis, and had been blackmailing her for years. Then, just lately, the abusive husband was in a dispute over some property with Pinky, so he had his wife accuse Pinky of rape to get her into jail so he could get the land. Even though every allegation against her was proven false and she had been injected with testosterone more out of ignorance than anything else, she was viciously slandered in the media. She lost her job and her muddy jeans got her banned from competing in the future. And I tried to find out what happened to her after this, but I couldn't find anything more about her other than the fact that she hasn't competed since this whole debacle. Huh. What was the full name again? Uh, Her name is Pinky Pramanik. 
Huh. So yeah, messed up stuff. Call back to our uh, steroids episode. Yeah. It is rough to be intersex in this world because we are so obsessed with the gender binary, we refuse to acknowledge that we might have things a little too basic. Yeah, it's it's way more complicated than that. (laughs) No, I like a puzzle with two pieces. (laughs) So let's wind down with some stories of some athletes that are fun. Yay! (laughs) So Robert Garrett was a student at Princeton in the late 1800s. He was a decent athlete, though nothing spectacular. When he heard about the 1896 revival of the Olympics in Athens, he really wanted to go. He knew from his performance in track and field that he probably wasn't going to win in any of the running or jumping competitions, but Garrett and his coach became interested when they saw that one of the games was going to be the discus throw. He felt confident he could win, even though no one at Princeton had ever heard of it, including Garrett. (laughs) So he and his coach went down to the library and checked out a book on the ancient Olympics and found a pictogram of a naked, muscly Greek guy throwing a sort of discus thing on the side of a vase. So that's how it's done. (laughs) They took this down to the local blacksmith who said he would see what he could do. (laughs) He came back to Garrett with a lump of iron 12 inches in diameter or 30 centimeters that weighed 30 pounds or 14 kilograms. It's basically throwing a barbell. Yeah. The team had to leave shortly, so Garrett hopped on a boat for Greece and spent the trip turning purple in the face trying to propel his manhole cover around the boat. <laughs> he figured no one that, else appreciated it either. <laughs> he figured that once he got to Athens, he could watch the other discus throwers practice and get some idea of how this <laughs> stupid game was supposed to work. Then he could practice doing whatever it was that they did. You keep on interrupting our shuffleboard practice. <laughs> The trouble was that the American team had gotten the dates wrong, and they arrived the day the game started. (laughs) And he pulled first first go. (laughs) So Garrett nervously stepped into the circle when he was handed a real discus, which weighed five pounds, or 2.2 kilograms. Just going to go sailing off into space. Goku's (laughs) fucking weights off. (laughs) So he didn't even know what to do with it. He started eating it. He was the last athlete, so he could see all of his competitors' discs lying out in the grass, mocking him. He didn't know how to throw a discus, but in his time in track and field, he had thrown a hammer a couple of times, so he decided to try that. Oh, God. He spun in a furious circle like the Tasmanian devil and let loose, only to have the discus tumble like a flicked coin and land a few feet away. Oh, no. Everyone laughed, including Garrett. I thought our hero was going to win in the end. I thought it was going to be so good. He gets two more tries. (laughs) Oh. So he went again, and again, the discus flopped out just in front of him. But it turns out that all that Dragon Ball Z training wasn't for nothing, and on the third throw, he found his rhythm, and the discus fired out like a clay pigeon, (laughs) beating the current first-place thrower by seven inches, or 18 centimeters. Oh. He then went on to win another gold and two silvers in other events, showing just what a confused doofus is capable of. <laughs> well, he's just been lugging around 30 pounds, like whatever other events you want to put him in. Throw it. <laughs> Weightlifting, go. Going to do uh, a pole jump with a big thing of rebar. <laughs> <laughs> this is a horse, huh? I'll give it a try. <laughs> I've heard of these. Dressage. <laughs> So next, we're going to talk about Elizabeth Sweeney, a woman with a dream, which was to compete in the Olympics. Only one thing stood in her way, a total lack of any remarkable talent. (laughs) (laughs) 
Except maybe one. Sweeney knew that she wasn't good enough to get in for any really competitive games, but she thought she just might make it in for a sport without that many participants. She did her homework and learned that the women's skiing halfpipe only had 30 competitors and sometimes less because countries couldn't fill the spots. She started skiing and training for a few years, skyrocketing up to the level of mediocre. Her skill was math. Yeah. So while Sweeney was born in California, her mom was from Venezuela, so she could apply for citizenship there. She started looking into it, but it turned out that Venezuela had all the half-pipe skiers they needed. <laughs> one. She killed one. <laughs> yeah. Well, so she climbed further up the family tree to her grandparents, who were from Hungary. Not only did they have very lax citizenship rules, they also had nothing in the way of half-pipe skiers. So she started a GoFundMe, moved to Hungary, did a couple years training, and barely managed to squeak into the Olympics. She does now have to serve in the Hungarian army for 20 years, but it's worth it. They have those cool uh, helmets with the spikes on them. Mm -hmm. So let's take a look at the gold medal winner from that year. I bet this is going to be fancy. Oh, it's it's a whole video. Well, I've got it jumped to the part, so we'll just watch her little. Hell yeah. Do it. Do some tricks. Mine is a pizza ad. Nice little jump. I was picturing a little half pipe. Oh, some spinning. Do a cross ski there. She did a five, apparently. Ooh. Going backwards. Very spinny. Holy crap. I would have been dead nine minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. So there's the... Uh, so stop that one. Yeah. So that's that's good there. And then let's watch Swainy go. Whee! And Yay. up. And down. Up and down. <laughs> well, I think she's she- better than me. <laughs> It's very clean. Okay. I just love the announcers being like, and she's playing it safe. She's very careful, very clean. Oh, and back. Oh, it's cute, though. <laughs> that was a bit patronizing announcer. <laughs> Look at her showing a little style down at the bottom. You know, yep. good for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but her French fry and pizza display didn't matter. Sweeney got to go to the Olympics, so she went home with her head held high. Like, like she, she basically did an up and down, up and down, up and down. Goodbye. Yep. So our last story here. The Olympic Games are very serious for many. They represent the culminating moment of their lives, and athletes sacrifice their lifetime and bodies for the chance to win a gold. In the 1952 Olympics, a runner named Emil Zetopek apparently never got this message. A lovable goofball, the Czech runner spoke six languages and apparently wouldn't shut up. (laughs) No matter where you came from or what you were doing, he would come up to you and start talking about who knows what, even if it was in the middle of a race. His clownish hair, unorthodox, bouncy, gazelle-like run, and his comically contoured running face didn't help, and his competitors and the officials really didn't like him. He sounds adorable. Yeah. What they didn't know was that his homemade Ministry of Silly Walks running style may have just been the best long-distance technique the world has ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) And these days, some call him the greatest runner to ever live. But then he was just some goofball. He took the gold in the 5 and 10,000 meters and set a new world record in both. Then he decided to try the marathon. Trouble was, he didn't know the rules, and the officials thought he was a loser and refused to tell him. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) 
So Zatapak decided to just tail the guy favored to win. <laughs> he figured that might guy must be doing something right. So that guy was Britain Jim Peters. He followed him until about the three-quarter mark, by which time he felt that he had the hang of the marathon. Making conversation the whole time. Well, it wasn't until about this point that he did what he always did and started chatting up Peters. <laughs> How you doing, Peters? <laughs> so Peters kept shooting him dirty looks and ignoring him, but then Zetapek asked him how he thought the race was going so far. Peters snorted and said it was going all a little slow. So Zatapak raised his eyebrows, said, oh, really? And just kind of took off, leaving <laughs> Peters in the dust. Peters tried to keep up, but collapsed, unable to finish the race. And Zatapak took first, setting yet another world record. <laughs> and that was the last of the stories that I had. Do you like the story of the goofus that could? Yeah. He was just a nice guy who wanted to talk to people. Anybody have any personal Olympic stories? I like watching the Olympics. Yeah, we have the Olympic Village up by Tahoe that I've seen a few times. It's yeah. true. I'm waiting for the second season of Yuri on Ice that was promised. <laughs> I slightly like watching the floor dancing and the spinny on ice bits. Mm. But other than that, I have zero interest in the Olympics. And when I say slightly, I mean, like... If someone shows me a video, I won't walk away, but I certainly don't seek them out. See, I love curling. I was making fun of it earlier, but it's it's something I want to do, but we're not in Canada. It comes from a place of love. <laughs> I'm sure you could find ice. Like it, it looks fun. Like chuck this stone and use your brooms. Go. We've got a new uh, ice rink being built right now in town. Maybe they'll have a curling spot. Do you want to be the stone chucker or the broom sweeper? Or are I they the same person? The hurler. <laughs> Yes, it is a hurler. The curler hurler? I want to be both. I want to try everything. Because I don't have to, you don't have to be on uh, ice skates for this. Join Hungry's team. I'm sure they've got a place for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel conflicted about the Olympics just because, you know, it's very cool and it's very impressive, the things that the people do. But it's also like these kids, because usually they're kids, they're teenagers or maybe as old as their late 20s most of the time. They've like done nothing but train for the Olympics 14 hours a day for 10 years. And it seems like something that their parents force them into. Yeah, sometimes. But either way, I mean, they go and they compete and they do good or maybe not. And then they come home and they're just like, well, now what? They either get a job as a coach teaching the next generation to do it or they just go find something else to do. And a lot of time they've missed out on school and yeah. You know, all kinds of stuff. So. Any I don't of these, know anything but weightlifting. Yeah. Any of these super elite things that are focused on the young, just to me, they seem really destructive. Yeah. Or they have the potential to be really destructive, especially, I mean, getting a little dark now, but you get so many sexual abuse allegations on coaches and doctors around yeah. the Olympics. And it's like these kids are really vulnerable and the things they have to do with their bodies are often very damaging. Yeah. And at like more so than other things, you know, like football or tennis or whatever, like at least with those, you get a few years out of it. <laughs> like this, there's other competitions, but if you're shooting for the Olympics, like you get about 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. Maybe two Olympics if you're really lucky. Yeah. All right. Well, if nobody has any personal stories, we'll move on to what are your morals worth? So the uh, I've, the Elizabeth Sweeney is I've heard the term a couple of times an Olympic tourist where they just basically game the system to get in just so they can say they've gone to the Olympics. 
So let's say that you're going to be an Olympic tourist and you're going to get in through some loophole, some grandparent's country that you can move to and get citizenship so you can squirt in. But the event that you're going to get into, because there's not many competitors, is the revival of Greco-Roman wrestling. <laughs> I'm not allowed. <laughs> yeah, they'll, be, they'll do women's. Okay. The originals, they didn't allow this is it. New age. It's true. Yep. So you're going to go to the Olympics, but you've got to strip down to your skivvies, get oiled up, and wrestle somebody else on national television. That sounds miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the lower end of my weight class. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> so how much to go to the Olympics? And represent your grandparents' home team. Five bucks. Five dollars. Pay your bus fare. Yeah. Somebody's obviously flying me there, right? Yeah. I've been to the Olympics now. Oiled and in my underwear, but I've been. <laughs> Not in your underwear. I was going to say, what underwear, Andy? Oiled and everybody gets to see how impressive I am. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, I've done wrestling and I hurt myself badly. Most wrestlers do. I feel like I'm not going to last long. Like, I'm not going to be on TV. Like, I'm not going to get through multiple rounds. I'm not going to yeah. be on TV for very long. Yeah, probably not. But probably there's going to be some gif of me doing something <laughs> stupid. I'm going to, like, bow or something, and you're not supposed to bow. But I am working with Autumn on body positivity. So, you know, <laughs> being nude on national television. Are they going to blur me? Probably. Depends on the country, I imagine. Yeah. Oh, then I don't want to participate. I, I want the full thing. <laughs> I, I'm going to need enough money to cover training for like a year. Yeah. Adam wants Some to do a good job. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to just jump into this and make a fool of myself. <laughs> do you have to be nude while you're accepting your medal? <laughs> well, you're not allowed to wear clothes the whole time you're or there. Or else are they going to hang the medal, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> I won! His neck's going to be too swole by then. You better be excited. <laughs> Depends Clearly, on, I'm very thrilled to win. Depends on which podium I'm standing on. <laughs> standing there fully nude on a podium all of a sudden. Ba, ba, na, ba. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What would be what would be a good salary for a year that I could also like buy a trainer and healthy food and stuff? <laughs> <sighs> I need to change my life for this to be worth it for me. I'm very media averse. Yeah, that's the other I'm thing. I'm going in. I feel like I could change my life with five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it's not too bad. Hmm. I, think I, could. I mean, I bet I could get like at least one endorsement. <laughs> oh, it's the guy that was naked and lost immediately yeah, for Slim Jims. <laughs> so you want an endorsement afterwards <laughs> for Slim Jims? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Macho Man Randy Savage also endorsed Slim Jims. Snap into an Andy. <laughs> uh, also, I get citizenship in a new country. <laughs> I think I can go lower than Kelly, but probably I'll have to do more than Andy. Four dollars. See, he's getting worse. <laughs> and he's about to pay us for the opportunity. <laughs> I'll do two hundred thousand. Yeah. So I, mean, I think if you told me I could take a year off for one month of being naked on TV, I'd, I'd probably do that. So yeah, a hundred thousand. Sure. Why not? All right. Well, I think that's all we have for this week. Thanks to my co-host for joining me today. Thanks to our editor, Gerard, for keeping us fighting fit. If you'd like more of us, you can look us up on Instagram or Twitter at Acid Pop Podcast. You can contact us on our Reddit forum or email us at acidpoppodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support this show, you can look us up on Patreon for nice perks like getting episodes early or our private secret chit-chat episodes and mini-episodes. Super secret. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, ski with your safety on. Bye.